I, I definitely won't, Mike, and I'm ready to reflect on this episode, Eight, I'll Be Your Mirror. Uh, I guess I guess I guess John Hughes is an upgrade from Harold and Maude, right? <laughs> Henry is an old soul, truly, unless he's just so <laughs> deprived of modern resources that he has to rely on movies from the eighties. I'm just waiting for the uh, the version of Once Upon a Time where he gets Emma to come back to Storybrooke so he can she can find out which of the townspeople are the princess and the jock and the nerd. So uh, I don't I don't know if we're going to see that little bit of fan fiction. Or yeah, not. and then uh, <laughs> Evil Queen's going to put them all in uh, magical detention in the crypt. Exactly. That'd uh, be fun to see, actually, to be so, honest. So I've been treated to hear right at the top, Kurt. What did you think about this episode? Because I will say. And I'm going to say the same thing about last episode as well. I feel like we're sort of riding this nostalgia wave, speaking towards nostalgia a little bit with Henry's choice in movies. Both these episodes felt very old school in that they're addressing relationships and characters that have been inherent and part of the Once Upon a Time lore since the first season. I liked this episode a lot more than I liked the last episode. I agree. The 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 last episode... To me, and just to just to recap, um, yeah, the, just the to la- recap how much we vehemently disagree with everyone else on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, to me, the last episode you could have gotten to the ending, the same ending, while cutting out the fifty minutes in the middle of the episode. I, I didn't. I don't think it necessarily changed anything much. They realized how much they loved each other. Boom, they went on. Um, here, I felt like we've got like three or four different new potential story arcs going off in different directions. Like I felt like this episode set up more um, than uh, any of the, uh, most of the earlier episodes did. I think some of the other earlier episodes would wrap up a couple storylines, maybe introduce one or two, but it always seemed like for the first, for the, the previous several episodes, if not most of the episodes, it seemed like, uh, you're you were you were down in terms of your net number of storylines. More more were wrapped up than were set in motion. And here I felt uh, that we have a lot of different things potentially being to explore over the next few episodes, uh, which really intrigues me. I think the one thing that I'm really noticing is the difference between my enjoyment of this episode and perhaps not so much the last episode. No flashbacks this episode, and I, th- I think something that we talked a lot about last episode was we felt the flashback was for lack of a better term, extraneous. It really told us nothing new about the story except for, oh, this is the time that Snow White and Prince Charming kind of met, but they didn't realize it. Uh, Here, there's no chaff, really. It's all hearty wheat that they can till all they (laughs) want to, and they tilled a lot this episode. There was like, you know, three storylines going on at once. As a result, they were able to dedicate more time to it. So I really enjoyed this episode as well. And I want to start out by talking about Something that's a little different from Once Upon a Time. I know we were talking about stuff that's inherent to the uh, the initial theming of the show, but in line with these first scenes, we're seeing the immediate repercussions of this curse that's being held over Snow White and Prince Charming, the, uh, the switch-off, if you will, where only one of them can be awake at a time. And after the, you know, after the first scene, we get this montage set yep. to music of the two of them going about their day. What did you think about that? And did that feel like a once upon a time scene to you? It didn't feel like a once upon a time scene, but I I actually enjoyed it. I don't I don't know if 
I want them doing it all the time. But it, but part of it also comes from what I have to do as somebody who's going to be podcasting about the show is, I mean, I take a lot of notes. I will pause regularly to catch up and, and uh, you know, I'll let the – instead of fast-forwarding through commercials, I'll use that time to kind of catch up on my notes. But, but usually it's a lot of pause, take notes, pause, take notes. And for the montage, I kind of saw that a montage was coming. And I wasn't going to need to take notes for a couple minutes. So it was actually kind of nice to be able to sit back and just watch it and drink it in. So um, I actually liked it. But again, it wasn't just because I didn't have to take notes. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I liked it just for, for, the, for the feeling of it as well. Yeah, it was very well done. And I know Dominic asked us, you know, did you enjoy the montage? It seemed very lost to me, which I liked. And it definitely harkened back to those early seasons of Lost when they would end the episode with a quick montage of characters set to music until Hurley's MP3 player ran out of battery, and then they sort of did away with that. But that's not something that Once Upon a Time does. They never they do underscoring sometimes, but it's orchestral. There's no vocals involved. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much of The Leftovers, but there's an episode of The Leftovers that starts very much like this episode. There's even someone that's comatose involved in it as well. So I was definitely getting flashbacks like that. But again... I thought it was really well done. I think they did a great job of sort of communicating what they're going through without actually having to say anything. You talk about taking notes for the show. Once Upon a Time is a very verbose show. They talk a lot. They explain everything in every scene. So this is an example where, like, you get some breathing room, which is interesting because, again— It's something I don't feel like is a quote-unquote once-upon-a-time scene, but as a scene from television, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I would like to see more of the kind of letting it breathe room in terms of people um, potentially just kind of doing business and you kind of drinking that and people not having to necessarily narrate everything. I think the closest we potentially get to this is, you know, at many episodes you'll have somebody kind of soliloquizing at the end of it as it kind of, you see scenes from different people doing different things. So, you know, Emma's talking or Hook's talking, but then as they're going on this longer monologue, they, you know, it cuts to Regina doing something. They're continuing to talk. It cuts to Charming and Snow. It cuts to Gold. But one person's talking over all that. That's kind of the closest thing I think we get to this sort of thing mm-hmm. but like I, said, I, I i i wouldn't mind seeing more of it um and maybe it'll feel more normal if we do see more of it i don't I did, know i did notice that the first lyric we hear in this montage is yellow is the color of my true love's hair are they uh hinting that maybe these two are not faithful to each other because they both have dark hair just saying um nah <laughs> <laughs> where's cinderella been what she's doing what's she doing now is this introducing Rapunzel again? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Well, no, actually, Rapunzel didn't have blonde hair, very notably. Um, yeah. It's uh, I, I don't. It's I don't. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing more experiments like this. I mean, and kind of speaking of ex- experimental storytelling, uh, Dominic on Twitter uh, asked me a couple days ago, "Are you surprised there's ever been a Once Upon a Time musical episode?" Not that I want that, but seems obvious. No, Once Upon, uh, a, Once upon a Time, more with feeling. Yes, nicely done. Uh, the uh, uh, the I don't I don't know if they're going to go full Buffy in in this. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure I want to see that, but given how much of this is based off of Disney movies and how many of those Disney movies animated movies are musicals, um, I am a little bit surprised we've not seen a musical episode yet. Well, can any of them sing? That's not going to stop them. <laughs> yeah, Auto Tune does wonders. Well, actually, we do have Jasmine was on Gallivant, which was a musical show, so. 
I'd be fine if it was a Jasmine only. If Jasmine gets conked on the head like that episode of Scrubs where she thinks she's in a musical, then maybe that's the way, the way to go. So we get to the crypt, and this is really the heart, for lack of a better term, of Emma and Regina's big plan, is that uh, in, earlier on in the episode... Snow realized that the Evil Queen was watching them through the mirror in their bedroom. That gives them the idea that they're going to try to trap the Evil Queen in this mirror realm in a world where she wouldn't be able to get out. And we do have Emma sort of dropping a breadcrumb here, mentioning the dragon. I'm surprised. Did it take, you're surprised that it took him this long to remember the dragon and the idea that, oh, we should probably think about this all-magical being that could possibly help us? Um... I guess the here's the thing is I also don't know how long it's been since this has all gone down. Like I've, I, I haven't. I mean, this might be one of those things where uh, the fact that we podcast once a week about it is kind of fooling us into forgetting the fact that oh, only six days have elapsed in Storybrook. I I I'd have to go back and think how many sleeps we've had. Um, but I, I I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt for not having reached out to the dragon quite yet. I mean, I'm gonna say maybe it's been like a week and a half, two weeks in in time. Um, uh, and that's on the that's kind of a, a very very liberal estimate of how fast things are moving, but um, but yeah no I'm I'm fine with them not having thought of the dragon. Yeah, I mean between the dragon and the mention of the sorcerer's wand, it was a big week for magical MacGuffins on Once Upon a Time. Yes, um, but I'm not you know if you look at the MacGuffin as being the thing that really doesn't end up mattering, it's just the thing that drives the story forward. I'm not so sure that the MacGuffins are the MacGuffins. I think I think that lots of the things that were mentioned, I think the sapling, the sapling could very well have been a MacGuffin from from last week, but this week I'm not sure. I don't think we've necessarily seen the end of the dragon, the end of the sorcerer's wand. I think we're going to see uh, potentially them playing a little bit more of a role down the road. So you think there might be uh, faux guffins going on? Foguffins, sure. Yeah, Foguffins, definitely. <laughs> so we also get the appearance of Henry here. We sort of get the inklings of oh. his storyline. Uh, so give me your thoughts on this initial introduction to Henry's storyline, where essentially he's sad about a fall formal dance coming up, and it's not just because that his grandmother and his teacher probably won't be able to chaperone, but because he's having some trouble with Violet. There's a little bit of trouble at home, it seems. Well, I would give you my opinion on this, Mike, but I have to take you out to this uh, this dress I saw on the street outside. Uh, would you come take a look at this dress with me? <laughs> perfect, perfect. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some Violet back in some regard. I know we saw her very briefly when yeah. we went to the school in episode four, but at least you know they're not uh, they're not lillying her. They're actually making her a part of this town, which I think is nice. That's true. We'll talk about Lily more later, uh, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I guess the way that it was introduced seemed a little bit forced to me. Like, uh, you know, if that was interesting, like Henry participating in this plan to trap the queen will offer him up as bait. He's willing to do it because it'll distract me from the fall formal. And then we start going down this road. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just stop, stop. Pump the brakes. We don't need to know about Henry's issues with the fall formal. Um, and it, it, I like how it gives Emma the chance to give the one of the morals of the episode is don't sacrifice who you are to for uh you know when you when interacting with those you love and it's like okay you got that out but um yeah i i i wasn't again it, it seemed like one of those things where let's give henry something to do and i would have been happy if it wasn't the fall formal yeah i mean i think the obviously the henry regina slash evil queen stuff is the much meatier part than the henry violet stuff but since one kind of is going to inform the other when Evil Queen is trying to give Henry advice about it, I guess I can forgive it. But yeah, it was a weird, like, shoehorned in 
talk about it because again we barely have seen violet this season so to have henry have to again come in and give all this exposition about exactly what's going on and what their relationship has been going through it was uh, a little much yeah um but uh i i, I was glad with the, for the role that henry had uh in the whole uh you know regina and emma needing to contact him through the mirror and him being uh, you know, confronted with the reality of life that the queen wants to present him. I liked all of that interaction. It's like I, I could have just done. I could have done without the fall formal and and uh, maybe a, even a briefer cameo from Violet. Well, let's skip the fall formal talk for now, and we'll get to Henry's involvement specifically with this mirror plan. We're down by the beach. Uh, do you remember Henry being such a fraidy cat? Evil Queen's going to talk about it here with his fear of seagulls, but she seems she seems to be alluding to the fact that like. Henry would pee his pants if a leaf fell on his head. <laughs> and I just had a survivor leaf uh, yeah, little exactly. flash flash forward there. Well, um, I guess that, Henry has become the Siri and that he's become a much more important part of the storyline than we initially thought. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being scared of seagulls. I mean, those are basically rats with wings. So <laughs> it's it's not uh, it, it, that that's. That's perfectly understandable. Um, they can get very vicious if you start feeding them. But yeah, I, I've never re- like we think back to Henry in episode one. He was more of this precocious kid who let went to Boston on his own to find his you know his birth mother. Um, it was always kind of you know he he knew his he highly suspected that his stepmom. Uh, uh, a foster mom was the evil queen and still took like steps against her. I, I think looking at the first few seasons, there's been very little evidence of Henry being a fraidy cat. I mean, she did say when you were what she said when you were like seven. I think Henry's what like eleven when he goes to visit Emma. So maybe he gained some courage in those four years. But yeah, that seemed. I don't know if I know if I use the term out of character because it's more like secondary characterization. But that was a little interesting considering that, as you said, we haven't really seen Henry be that afraid before. Actually, quite the opposite. He seems to be the one to really, like, rush into danger with his head first. Yeah, he, he wants to be the bait. I mean, that that very point in this episode show he's, shows he's not afraid to take a risk. Kurt, should we impart a lesson on these characters in Once Upon a Time to have your objects beside you at all times or else somebody's going to switch them and trick you at the last moment? <laughs> The queen is very good at getting items she's not supposed to. Well, we also, uh, have, we also <laughs> had Hyde in episode four, right? With like, oh, here's the twisty twist. I actually switched the vials at the last moment. Yeah. Ba- bad guys are good at uh, kind of stealing things out from underneath you. I think that's one thing we are learning from this season. Yeah, exactly. You, you have to have the nimblest hands in the world in order to be the best villain. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, but you know the fact that we later see the evil queen in the guise of Regina kind of poof a uh, you know hooks a cell phone into appearance with a voicemail embedded into it like just right behind him on a kitchen counter kind of shows you the extent of her power. Absolutely, yeah. We're going to see. Well, we'll, I think we'll talk about like how good evil queen actually was on this scheme. We'll do like a a Monday morning quarterback, but yeah, (laughs) she's showing like the fullest extent of her powers, I believe. Yeah, she she's uh we we got to see her kind of like, you know, flex that muscle a little bit and, and see a little bit of what she can do. Yeah. So the plan that Emma and Regina have does not work out. Uh the evil queen, as we talked about before, switched the mirrors and so she sucks them up into the mirror world. I really liked the the setting for the mirror world. It was like simple very dark. I loved all the mirrors hanging around and the idea that these are all mirrors that are in Storybrooke and you can look into them. I thought it was a really cool concept. 
Yeah, it was, it was, but it also kind of highlights one of the issues that I have with Once Upon a Time is that it seems far too often we get introduced to a new uh, world or setting, whether it be this world of mirrors or a particular corner of Oz or Wonderland. Um, and it's entered like Oz and Wonderland were, uh, you know, things that we went back to uh, in in several episodes, but they also didn't typically, especially Oz, didn't necessarily take place or transpire over several consecutive episodes. So this was something where I, it was a really intriguing area that I almost would have, again, wished that they'd been trapped there for more than one episode and had to face a little bit of danger there, but it was really kind of go there and come back in the same episode. And I was hoping for a little bit more from that. Maybe, maybe we'll see it again. Maybe they'll introduce it again, but even, you know, shades of, of Dr. Whale's black and white world. This is another one of those kind of possibly one and done settings that I'd love to see them revisit again. And again, you know, stretch it out over a couple episodes. You've got, you know, a full season to work with. Yeah, you don't need to go the route of season two and have them, you know, stranded in there yeah. for like seven episodes. But there were some yeah. like, interesting, like, mysteries in there as well. Like, we found out, oh, I guess Sydney had a little hideout that he was building to eventually get out of the mirror. Like, I would have loved to see to fe- figure out more about that because you forget, oh, yeah, Sydney lived in the mirror for God knows how many years. He must, you know, there must be other parts to explore than just sitting there bored out of your mind. Yeah, in fact, when you know they hear somebody approaching them and it ends up being the dragon, I was actually initially thinking it was going to be like some manifestation of Sydney or something. But I saw the land of mirrors and I immediately wondered, oh, is this where Sydney kind of, uh, you know, hung out? And it, yeah, it turns out it was. So it seems like these two are kind of uh, up a creek without a, a paddle, if you will, as they don't have magic in this land and they have no way of communicating with everyone because these are all. One may mirrors. They're, uh, I guess, in the, they're in the metaphoric uh, magical interrogation room, and they can't talk to anyone that's behind the glass there. But Emma thinks that their savior lies in Henry, but Evil Queen's trying her best to distract Henry as she disguises herself as Regina. Kurt, I'm trying to remember is this is this the first time that Evil Queen has actually disguised herself as Regina this season? Yes. We've seen Evil Queen disguise herself as Dr. Hopper, but I believe that this is the first time that the Evil Queen has tried to pull, pull, pull one over, put one over on um, on the uh, on the heroes, so to speak. And why, I, I say, I say she, that. Why has she never even thought about doing that before? I, I don't know. And, you know, as confident, I, I want to say that confidently and just move on. Whereas in the back of my head, I'm like searching through all the episodes and, and well, making we sure. Have, we have our fact checker. We have lots yeah, of devoted fans out there yeah. that will definitely correct but, us. But if she did, it's this seems like a large amount of time. I know we can, like you were talking about with the dragon, we don't know how much time has passed since the evil queen has become a, a living concept. But you would think one of her first things is, oh, great, I look just like Regina. Perfect. Let me sow some seeds of discontent by pretending to be Regina and just spreading a bunch of crap around. Yeah, on the same note, we've never seen Regina do this with the Queen in terms of like trying to figure out what's up with Zelina, what's up with Gold. Well, the closest episode, we saw was episode, the note, yeah, the note the writing. Note, yeah, I think that's the closest that we've gotten. But in terms of, you know, Emma could have wrote that. I mean, maybe maybe the fact that maybe they have the same handwriting. I mean, that's what I'm assuming. But you know, who says that Zelina is going to recognize her sister's handwriting at this point? Um, so yeah, but we we haven't seen really either of them take on the visual guise of the other. What did you think about, how would you grade the Evil Queen's acting job in this scene of her trying to be Regina and tell everyone that everything's fine, uh, Emma went to go look for the dragon, here Henry, pick a tie for the dance? I actually thought it was fine at this point, 
Um, I think a little bit later on when she's trying to convince Henry that he's a prince and Violet's just a mere commoner, I think that's kind of straying a little bit from what Regina would probably tell him. But I think here in the uh, in Shay Charming, uh, I think it did fine. She, I mean, she did a good job of of hiding things. I think the, the closest she got though was when uh, you know she was chatting with Snow White, and <laughs> Snow White basically says how off how awesome it is that she got rid of the part of her that sucked. And, oh, I and love the, that. I love Snow yeah. White talking crap about the evil queen. <laughs> And the queen's like, oh, she wasn't that bad. And that didn't cause Snow to bat an eye. Uh, but that, I think that was like the worst she got to kind of straying off of her role here. But otherwise, I think she was okay in the in Charming Loft. I give her uh, uh, a B-, which is still a solid passing Yeah, grade. that's a solid 80. Um, yeah, I would say her weakest moment for me was when you know she says, oh, Henry, we did just fine. I got rid of her. And Hook's like, oh, yeah, and what about Emma? And she had, you can see the second where the wheels in her head start turning. And you realize, like, oh, you didn't have a lie plan for if someone asked what happened to Emma. She's like, oh, Emma's fine. She went with the dragon. And, you know, thank God she conjured that voicemail to, to back herself up because I, I was not buying it when she said where Emma went. Yeah, it, but it, some magic covered for her lies, which is seems part and parcel to being the evil queen. Yes, exactly. If only Emma was there, she could use her supposed superpower to see right through that. <sighs> <laughs> well, let's talk about another thing that you love, Kurt. Some nice Bell Gold drama, shall we? Yeah. Uh, apparently, the pawn shop's closed, Bell. Sorry. <laughs> For the first and only time the pawn shop is locked. I will say, I actually like the Bell and Zelina pairing because it's something that we've never seen before. And Bell even lampshades this in their conversation that we both care about someone who always lets them down. In right. her case, Gold. In Zelina's case, uh, I guess you could say Regina for a second. I thought she meant Hades because Hades kind of did that as well. But these are this is a character pairing that, it just, in spite of you know five and a half seasons of Once Upon a Time, we really have not seen this pairing happen yet. So I was happy to see it. Yeah, I, I did kind of like the exchange where the initial exchange where Belle tells Zelina, "Well, you told me his plan, so you have to help me get out of it." And she's like, "Zelina said the same thing I was thinking." Is like. Don't really see the logic there. No, there's no logic there. You were just <laughs> grasping for straws at this point, yeah. lady. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that the stronger thing was, you know, playing on the fact that we, you know, we both, like you say, we both know what it's like to care about someone who really has let us down. Um, and, and and that actually ends up working. You know, it's like when Bell starts talking about, you know, port- portal us, you know, the hell out of Storybrook. Uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, my, like my mind's like, oh, where are they going to go? That could be like, you know, new realms of adventure, or you know, that could lead to some interesting episodes. So, um, I, w- I was glad to see that uh, this was something that Zelina was going to consider. Where do you think Belle would want to go? Do you think she would want to go further into the land without magic, or do you think she would, she would want to go back into the enchanted forest? Uh, it sounded like she was talking about going back to the forest. I think at the end of the episode. Uh, so. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking that's where she would have gone. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It's a world yeah. that she's used to, so she'd be able. Yeah. She'd be able to. It's expansive enough that she'd probably be able to settle yeah. down. That even if Gold followed her there, she'd have a little bit of time to hide at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that at the end of the episode, she does state that she was uh, hope that she was. I can't remember if she tells it to Gold, but she does give voice to the fact that she had wanted Zelina to send her back to the forest. So there's one caveat on this plan, though. They need the Sorcerer's Wand to make a portal. Uh, as is the rule here in Once Upon a Time. But it's hidden in Gold's shop, so they need the work of a thief. Cut to Granny's Aladdin and Jasmine appearance, Kurt. It's It's been a minute. 
Yeah, I think last week we had conjectured that they were off to help save Agrabah, but apparently they really hadn't gotten to that point yet. Well, Jasmine <laughs> wants to. They just are sort of stuck there. She definitely is sort of yeah. the, the naysayer in this relationship where if they, they proposition the, the heist, if you will, Aladdin's up for it, but Jasmine is uh, very hesitant to do so. But then Zelina's going to foist her own guilt upon these people. I guess it's sort of like the guilt chain by saying like, hey guys, remember when you brought the shears into existence and now this is the reason why all this stuff is happening. So here, bring us back a wand. Yeah, it's... I mean, it, it, it's... I, I, Jasmine's point of view here was, was kind of interesting in terms of, uh, you know, at, at some undetermined point down the road, you have to help me uh, you know, save Agrabah, so you can't do this. Um, I, th- I thought it was was very. Her her argument seemed weak, uh, whereas oh, I think almost Aladdin's you know what's in it for me uh, seemed a little bit more I think on the on point in terms of uh, you know why she do this or like you know this this but Jasmine's whole you know this isn't your battle was kind of rank false in terms of what I was thinking she would eventually like what what I was thinking she would actually want him to do. Yeah. Like you want you want him to be savior like you want him to be a hero. He seems reluctant. If this is something you could get him to do, if anything that seems like it might build momentum towards him helping you find Agrabah again. And I like how this is also building towards Aladdin, I think overarching narrative of it's essentially how Aladdin got his groove back and that he feels that he's sort of a broken man with now that he separated himself from the ties of being the savior and now they're sort of convincing him like, "Hey, even though you don't have the magic you're still the savior you can still use these skills sort of like what they talked about with emma in the cinderella episode of you might have the savior spasms and you might not have magic but you can still use your inherent skills that you had before you realized you were the savior to help us out right and then again the whole logical point about you know without you because of you gold has the shears because gold has the shears bell's in trouble and because bell's in trouble we need to get her out Definitely. Uh, we'll talk more about the, the robbery scene later, but we do have a question from Jessica Frey about who is the best thief out of this bunch. We have Emma, Neil, Robin Hood, Aladdin, and Will Scarlet. Out of those five, does anyone stick out in particular for you as the best thief amongst them? Even though we didn't get much of him in Once Upon a Time and more of in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, I actually, when they were talking about, oh, I know where we can get a thief, my mind was like, oh, you're going to go, Will, Will Scarlet's going to, uh, you know, appear again? Um, but apparently he didn't. So my mind immediately went to Will Scarlet. I'd agree. Um, yeah, and I, I agree that, like, season four, I mean, season four criminally deprived Will Scarlet of a lot of material. I still see no reason why they decided to bring him in. But yeah, I say he's the best thief among them because he's just, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but they couldn't get him. So they got uh, the, the, the bench warmer. Yeah. I get he was the, <laughs> he was the, the pinch hitter, I guess. Uh, so we have the evil queen walking into gold shop here. He immediately catches on to, the ruse and we have a talk here about another this might be a MacGuffin or a faux guffin the hammer of hephaestus which is the first time we've heard about this which gives magic to those who have none are we getting to a little bit of like norse mythology territory here kurt but using greek mythology um no i mean it's i mean you know hephaestus was the the god the greek god of blacksmiths and stuff so i I, this was uh, you know, legitimately an item. I mean, yeah, it, it kind of had, you know, shades of, you know, it was a little bit Thor-like, but he he was the god of smiths. Um, 
I mean, it does it does make me wonder, looking back at I can't remember which season it was, but when we first pointed out that in the sweeping view of uh, the beasts, uh, Gold's castle, where he had kind of a, a, a collection of all these wondrous items, I thought I saw what looked like Horse, Thor's hammer, and I've yeah. given voice to that many times. Maybe it was the hammer of Hephaestus. I doubt it. I'm guessing that was still Thor's hammer. Um, but yeah, this I think this was um, only uh, shades of Norse mythology in the, in, in such that. Uh, Hephaestus and and Thor uh, both have hammers. <laughs> I think it's interesting that if, if you're comparing the two, Mjolnir it only yeah. it can be utilized by Thor by someone who like yeah. has magic essentially. Whereas this does the opposite; it provides magic to those who use it. So it has a different use. I just thought, okay, yeah. big hammer used by a god. I'm thinking Mjolnir at first. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. Why they didn't directly go there? Maybe it's just because they've dipped into Greek mythology a lot more than they've dipped into Norse mythology. Yeah, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, we're assuming that Greek mythology is the de facto religion on Once Upon a Time. We went to <laughs> we we went to Mount Olympus. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's yeah. It, uh, so I, I was I was curious where this was going to potentially lead and like what exactly this is going to do. Um, I thought it was going to actually have more to do with. Um, uh, Henry's relationship with Violet than it actually ended up doing, but uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about what the hammer ends up doing when we get to that point in the narrative. So the gold evil queen relationship is obviously something that is fraught with uh, complications and a little bit of eye rolls from the community at large. Uh, but did you make anything of this conversation that they ended this scene with, where you know? Gold says villains don't get their happy endings. Evil Queen says I want to use this as a beginning. Gold says love is weakness. Evil Queen says I'm going to use love as a weapon. Are we getting sort of two different methodologies here? Are we going with like lawful lawful evil versus chaotic evil? Um, I guess well, I think it's a little bit more about, you know, being on the offense versus being on the defense. And I, I think that maybe what the Evil Queen is saying here is that um, – as long as you're always on the offense of nothing is a weakness. Uh, any, anything can kind of be turned into a weapon. Here they just happen to be talking about, you know, love. Uh, but as long as you're kind of always being the one who's the action taker, uh, you know, you, you're the one in control. And, and, you know, if you're kind of working by yourself, you always have to be the action taker. We could be a little bit of that at the end of the episode. So, yeah, but it, it's interesting. I, I, I was I, – I see – it tells a lot about each of the villain's motives and uh, ways that they take action. Uh, you know, uh, Gold doesn't want to let love into his heart, whereas, you know, classic evil queen um, is who she is because of love. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I... I I was a little. I think I, I was more kind of skeeved out about the whole. Oh, I can pretend to be Regina if you'd like, Gold. Yeah, they're really. <laughs> I wouldn't even say they're doubling down. They are like quadrupling down on that. And I know. I don't, think, I don't think anybody wants that. Yeah, they're betting the house on it, um, and they're gonna lose. <laughs> yeah, and 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 maybe it's when she said that. Uh, you know, she's planning on using this as. Uh, love as a weapon and she was going to use it on her son that's why i thought violet was going to maybe be involved but it's more like you know the love that she that henry has for uh emma and regina but um yeah it was it was an interesting scene and it still came me left me wondering what was going to be done where where's what is the hammer going to be used for i don't know how i feel about the fact that they seem to be boiling down the difference between the evil queen and regina as to like well evil queen you're technically weaker because you don't have love because as you said 
it's more complicated than that. And maybe, you know, the evil queen parts of Regina that got separated out don't have anything to do with Daniel, but she essentially turned into the evil queen because of him. So you would think that it, you're digging the knife a little bit into her by saying, like, well, you're always going to be alone, when, yeah, she kind of is because her, the love of her life got killed. Right. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that they're... Which makes me wonder if there's going to be an opportunity for the evil queen to be redeemed. I'm, I'm guessing no. I'm guessing you're going to... We're probably going to end up with um, the evil queen and Regina possibly re-merging at some point before we actually get to a point where the evil queen is somehow destroyed separately from Regina or th- that the evil queen is redeemed. Can you imagine having a redeemed evil queen and a redeemed Regina and just needing two, those two characters both living in town on good terms. Lana Perea better take like double a paycheck for doing that. That's twice the amount of work. Yeah. But you know, you you don't see it happening in Orphan Black in terms of the amount of pay people are getting. So I mean, well, she got, she got, (laughs) she got some gold for it long overdue, but uh, maybe that's a form of payment. Speaking of people that are catching on to the evil queens guys, we see hook here happens to be wandering the beach. He's calling Emma. He finds a shard of glass next to Emma's phone, which contains several missed calls. But before he can do anything, Evil Queen knocks him out. And we don't see Hook for the rest of the episode until that surprise sneak attack in the crypt at the very <laughs> end of it. Yeah, and this is a, kind of the case of... I don't necessarily think that Hook would have put two and two together from seeing the shards of glass in Emma's phone. Um, maybe? Because I guess that means... I. I think it would have meant that Emma was actually in trouble, um, but I don't think he would have put together that the queen was not the queen. Uh, or sorry, that, that Regina wasn't I don't Regina's. know, Kurt. These people have been able to... Re- they've been on the wise as the, of the past few episodes. They've been able to put things together pretty quickly. Remember last episode when it was yeah. like, oh, okay, this happened, they, this person said this thing, oh, it must be the evil queen. Quick, I have an idea now of what to do. But those those leaps of logic don't happen correctly from episode to episode. It's, it's like a good four-episode gap before that happens. So... Um, but, you know, so the the queen jumped the gun and, you know, I don't know why she didn't just finish off Hook. I mean, I don't want to see her finish off Hook. She just kind of you know, throws him aside and, and then she goes off to do her thing. But she, you know, she it's, it's along the lines of, now let me tell you my evil plan. Uh, you know, if, if, if I was giving advice to the queen, I'd be like, you know, finish him. Finish him. Yeah, I don't want to... You, you I don't still, like these people. I, I I can understand, you know, trying to have these people tear themselves apart, but I don't understand... There's got to be at least a little... There's a, a little bit of, of positive outcome that can come from just killing one of them, right? I mean, you already <laughs> tried to get between Hook and Emma. That didn't work. Hook's expendable at this point. He's He has no relationships with the other people that he can really affect them. It's almost like when... Uh, Regina had the villainous side separated from her heart and her soul that part of that came like that villainous side also acquired all of the classic kind of villain tropes uh, <laughs> in terms of like being singularly focused. I mean, she, we saw that she had Snow White's and Charming's hearts and she could have put an end to things right there, but no, she had to kind of make it more complicated and she does soliloquize and she, she does, you know, uh, overly complicated things when you know the path to what would make her happy is right in front of her um so you know, i can't follow it too much again it's kind of the the power of of narrative um so but yeah it's like 
A, she just assumed that Hook found out, and B, she just kind of knocked him out and didn't really finish him. Uh, so I think again, I think I do think the Queen jumped the gun a little bit. There. Yeah, I can't wait to see when the Queen captures Emma and puts her in a closed chamber with a shark with a laser beam on its head and only one armed guard and doesn't even look at them. Freaking laser beams. Freaking laser beams. I'm sorry, <laughs> I should correct myself. Yes. So the Mirror Girls come up with a plan. They realize that their best bet is to talk to Henry through the mirror in Granny's. And we see Henry in Granny's nervously waiting for Violet when Evil Queen drops by and he happens to be in the mirror. So Regina and Emma see it as well and give him a pep talk. Kurt, on a scale from one to 10, how does this pep talk score for you? I mentioned earlier, this is, I think where the queen lets the queen out a little bit more than she should. Um, uh, I, I give it a, well, here's the thing. Henry seemed to buy it completely until she corrects his posture. And thank you to the previously on section for reminding us that the the queen has previously correct told that's Henry her, to. That's her tell. That's her tell. That's, she has. She likes her tell is liking people to stand up straight. Um, so I I'd say that despite Henry seeming to buy it, I just give the pep talk like a three and a half. It like let way too many things slip in terms of her being the queen. Yeah, I think that it was a little elitist, right? She was saying, you know, you're royalty. You'll be, you know, you, maybe you'll deal, you'll come back to my castle and you'll be a prince. She definitely was building up his ego a little bit, which I can understand. But I don't think Henry's the type of person that needs his ego really built up i mean this dude is the author he controls so many people's fates i don't think you really need to inflate his ego that much though maybe that doesn't necessarily translate to the uh, middle school bedroom well hmm. um keeping in mind that he's not really done anything authory in you know quite a few episodes not 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 since Uh, the season five finale yeah at least he he didn't make a an impassioned love speech to violet while standing in a new york fountain that's Let's remember that. Um, uh, but but long story short, at the end of it, you know, you know, Henry does realize kind of what's going on. Uh, and even though you know Emma and Regina are watching this whole thing, and I think they they can hear the whole thing, um, they you know, and and Henry ends up at least coming out of it uh, wise to what's what's up. Yeah, and I'll repeat what Henry said. I thought Violet played it off really well, surprisingly well for a woman who is used to being raised in the stables of Camelot to become a, a pretty good excuse. She, she's able to think off the top of her head pretty darn quickly. Um, you, you're, you're not you're throwing some shade <laughs> on Violet? Well, okay. Kudos to her for not panicking and freaking out. Um, but I, I, I did eye roll at, hey, I like this dress, but there's this dress in the window out in the street that I want to show you that I really would have rather had. I'm like, okay. Like, well, I guess I think I was, you know what, to think of now that I think back to it, I was eye rolling more at the fact that Henry uh, had to have Violet come up with an excuse. Henry could have just, you know, said, you know, we're going to get some fresh air and go talk about something, mom. Or, you know, I I, I don't I don't think he needed to make it as complicated as it was. I think that's the bigger issue I had was that that it was how, how much Henry kind of pulled her into things. Couldn't they just say, "Okay, we're going to the dance now. Bye, mom. I guess they could have done that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Though maybe, I don't know, maybe Evil Queen would want to make herself then a chaperone and she'd poof there and all of a sudden she sees that there are no shows and then she gets even more suspicious. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, don't th- I think the, the Queen was so pleased with, uh, with herself, 
in terms of Emma and Regina are screwed in the mirror and Henry took her advice and like kind of seemed to walk away uh accepting it I, I she was blind to anything that was going to happen he, he could have just said yeah we're gonna we're gonna go now and she would have been fine with that so let's go back into the mirror world here as emma feels like there's another presence around her enter the dragon Kurt, can, ding, we, ding, ding, ding. can we just assume <laughs> that this this guy will never die this is the, again the third well, time this is the second time that i'm legitimately surprised to see him back on the show well, we talked about last week, I think, when we talked about whether or not the dragon is completely done. Um, one, of the, one of the last two episodes. And I said, I think that he, I, I likened him to a little bit to the sorcerer. He's like this this all-powerful magical entity that you can't never really be sure is completely out of the picture. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually not surprised that we're seeing him again. I didn't expect to see him here. So you didn't expect that, to be banished to the mirror world? No, no, no. That that surprised me. So I, I figured we would see the dragon again at some point. I just it wasn't here. How would she be able to do that? Like, because she, she used the mirror to bring Emma and Regina into the mirror world. From what I remember at the end of season five, Evil Queen just like touched him or zapped him with something, and then the smoke billowed around him. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm not going to question the ways of magic, Mike. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to comma magic comma Mike. <laughs> my shirt back on then um well let's talk about something that might raise a few more questions or at least perhaps answer a question that has been a long time coming on once upon a time so we have a little bit of talk about kids here and the dragon interjects in their conversation and says hey you know what i feel you i lost a daughter long ago due to my ignorance we got questions about this from toya t and jessica frey dragon as lily's father confirmed not confirmed what do you think kurt yeah, I've, I've tweeted about it at the same time as I was watching it. And I think I even – this is something that we've talked about in the past in terms of uh, – it, it was at the end it was at the end of season four where we first learned that, that from Maleficent that Lily's father was a dragon? Yeah. So was, I think we went it was, off – It was literally, I think, the season four finale. She has this conversation yeah. about like, yeah, I don't even know who the father is because yeah. dragons are kind of this the freakiest freak of the magical community <laughs> where, you know, we get around and I don't, he was in dragon form, so I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even like as we went into season five and throughout season five, as we kind of, it was kind of, uh, 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 you know, where's uh, Prince Philip's soul 2.0 in terms of where's Lily's father, where's Lily? And I think as we kind of talked about it, are we going to get Lily in season five at all? I think it came up once or twice. We conjectured that the dragon, uh, as as this guy, uh, was potentially the father. Um, so it, it's something that we've had on our radar uh, as a blip previously and immediately picked up on it when she talked about the dog. I'm just on dragon patrol here in terms of, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of Maury Povich. You are the father. Um, you are the dragon. You are the dragon. Uh, so I, I, I would say it's as close to a confirmation as we're going to get until we see Lily appear in an upcoming show. Yeah. The dragon is such an interesting character, and now that I know that he apparently can never die, I would just want to find out more about him. He's not part of the main ensemble, and it stinks because I feel like there's only a couple times when they really are showing tangential characters, but if this is indeed part of canon, I would love to see it, especially him alluding to the fact that, oh, I lost my daughter because of my ignorance. I don't know if that alludes to he let you know Snow and Charming trade away the egg back in the days of back half of season four without doing anything or maybe there was something else that broke up his relationship with Maleficent but there's something in there that I want to get out yeah 
and as excited as I was for this little blip about, ooh, you know, potentially we've got, you know, a return of Lily storyline somehow tying to the dragon. Um, that was completely dashed to pieces. It was like, oh, I found a back door out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, well, we're going to get out of here right oh. now. Yeah, by the way, got a back door. Okay. Well, yeah, so not I, the best, not the best phrasing, but okay. I guess uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, maybe that was maybe that was why the relationship didn't work out. Uh, I guess <laughs> speaking of us uh, sneaking through uh, the front door in this case, let's talk about Aladdin's robbery here. We see gold in the back, just absentmindedly spinning straw into gold. Of course, it'll turn out to be for uh, Belle's magical fit bit that's going to be used later <laughs> on. Um, did you did you see the uh, Easter egg in this scene, Kurt? Uh no, I figured we'd be seeing the Easter egg closer to April. Um, no, was it the uh, was it the monkey? It was the monkey. The, the, uh, was Apu the monkey? If you if you notice, the monkey was dressed similarly to Abu yeah. in that it had I think it had a red vest on. It had like a purple a and red fez on. Uh, so I think we talked a couple weeks ago about like okay, it's weird that there's no Raja, there's no Abu, but once upon a time it's sort of iffy on doing you know the animals. But I guess this is sort of like the the nod to it. Well, we we did get Apu before in the Cave of Wonder. He was like a Apu figurine that he uh, used in the Indiana Jones kind of balance this on the on on the blade to you know counterbalance it. The little monk, the little golden monkey statue looked yeah, like the, him as the, well. The shrine of the silver monkey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it it, it was an, again it was it was a nice callback, and even um, you know Aladdin thanked him. Which was which was also just kind of a nice nod as well. Um, and luckily, I think he would kind of dope behind the counter or something, and while he was down there, he found a kind of a, uh, a hidden panel. Yeah, was was that good thieving skills, or do you think that was just dumb luck? Dumb luck. Because <laughs> I, mean, may- I feel maybe like another, the, the... another like I mean, a gold's gonna poof into the room later and say like, oh yeah, I knew something was going on. So again, you have to wonder, did he know about this the entire time and let it happen? Uh, if not, I feel like he would have lasted maybe another five seconds in there anyway before Gold found him. Yeah, but you know, maybe the best thieves are the ones that have dumb luck. So you know, it's it, just you know, kudos to him. I'm not going to hold it against him. Yeah, he won't have too inflated of an ego. I know he feels like okay, I'm not the savior, but I can still do this. But uh, yeah, you, you keep yourself in check, bro. Yeah, I mean, he was helping Jasmine break into the Cave of Wonder and steal something before he realized he was the savior. So if, even if he doesn't think he's the savior now, he can still pull off some thieving stuff. So. Just do well, it. Let's, well, let's talk about the back door a little more. Uh, we're at Shea Sydney here. Uh, bef- and while we're doing this, we get a little bit of something. Now, I know that Henry is going to be faced with a decision later on as to kill the dragon or let him kill his moms. I thought with this conversation for a second that they were going to kill the dragon because the dragon tells Emma, you know, oh, I know I can't break uh, the curse over your parents, but I have a way you know, I have a way I can possibly help you. And he sort of stops there and it made me think like, okay, they're purposely keeping it vague so that he's going to die or disappear. And then they're going to be up a Creek again. Yeah. And it, and it, it kind of went that route, route but in, instead we, we, he does end up kind of picking it back up again in terms of, you know, the explanation and in, in terms of guiding them towards, uh, you know, the, the mirror jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we got a, a question from Jeffrey. Uh, do they have to put the mirror together to win immunity? I guess that's. I mean, they're pretty immune by being in the mirror world, but I guess if they if they want to win the reward of getting back yeah. to their their own camp. Yeah, it was definitely a reward. They got to go to uh, this beautiful town uh, on the island, uh, the town called uh, Storybrook, and they got to bring uh, uh, someone with them um, to experience it as well. 
Uh, so, so yeah, that definitely reward, not necessarily immunity. It's interesting that the dragon's like, oh, I couldn't put this together, but I think together we can. Is he just bad at puzzles? <laughs> I, I guess, in, unless like there was some sort of like beings, people who could wield magic had to do it, but you know, he can wield magic. I'm, I'm not sure. It's like, it wasn't like it was like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. No, either. it was like what, it, like thirty? <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what was up with it, unless it was like one of these things where, because it was kind of on a mostly vertical surface, if you had to have like multiple hands holding multiple pieces in place while you put key pieces in pieces. No, in no, place. no, no. Because remember, Regina held up a piece yeah. that theoretically should defy gravity, but it almost like. It did like the you know what you might do with like a puzzle online where if you get yeah. relatively near the place it'll automatically fall in place. That's true. Yeah, I'm not sure why he needed multiple people to do it. That that was that's just kind Maybe of he's just lazy. <laughs> yeah, that could be it as well. Well, the jig is up on the outside world as well as Henry tries to talk to his mom through the crypt and the evil queen is just flat out in her regalia. She's not even putting up a front anymore. Uh, and Henry even lampshades this. We get a, a mirroring to a little bit of the end of Empire Strikes Back, where Evil Queen is trying to convince <laughs> Henry to turn to the dark side. Luckily, nobody loses their hand just yet. It, it wasn't mirroring. It was flat out calling out references to Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, uh, do, do you agree with Evil Queen's reasoning? After seeing the prequels, do you think Darth Vader isn't necessarily black and white, that he's not just a hugely evil person? Um, I didn't see all of the prequels. Just mind you, I actually I skipped out on the on the third one. Um, oh, that's the that's the best one. And I'm damning with faint praise. But if you had to sit through Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and didn't see Revenge of the Sith, that's uh that's a little bit of a pop culture blind spot. I think I think though, if you you know see you know Return of the Jedi and you see the battle between Darth Vader and the know the emperor uh i I think you see is is a little bit shades of gray-ish but for the most part darth vader's a villain i mean it it, but i i did like the the evil queens uh kind of twisting it and saying well i'm not necessarily you know a villain you know i've done some bad things but i know i'm more of a leader than i am a villain and leaders do what do what is necessary sometimes that makes somebody seem like a villain um so I, I, I thought it was she put an interesting spin on it, but she's trying to spin everything these days just to, I think, get Henry on her side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and she shows her power by grabbing a heart that happens to be on a pedestal that turns out to be the dragon's. First, she directly talks through him, uh, and she adds insult to injury by showing him off to his moms. Uh, and she definitely puts the pedal to the metal here by having the dragon transform Kurt, could you totally imagine what Maleficent sees in him, considering how uh, how glamorous he looked in dragon form? Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting looking in terms of I, I like that you you see uh, the kind of the 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 influence in terms of the culture on the on the the style of the dragon that he was. It's something that you typically would see in, for example, like, you know, ancient Chinese artwork. I, so I, I like the stylistic part of it. Um, I agree. I, 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 really, could, I really liked the mane. The mane was, like, long and shimmering and a little shiny. I thought it was really well done. I know we, uh, we disparage a lot of the effects on Once Upon a Time, but I feel like they really did a good job this episode. And because this was so obviously... Uh, I think coming out of the last episode, there were some questions about CGI. Now it's like this happened. I'm like, are we getting? I was like, I don't mind this. Should I be minding this, or are we going to get like a question about how much did the dragon suck from a CGI perspective? Because 
I'm watching it and I'm fine with it. And and we didn't see anything come across our feeds. Um, so yeah, I guess thumbs up on the CGI dragon. So this is Henry's choice, right? She, uh, Evil Queen gives him Hephaestus's hammer and says, "Well, to protect your moms, you can essentially kill the dragon by smashing the heart." Meanwhile, Emma and Regina are off on their own conversation. There's sort of been this runner throughout the episode where. Emma and Regina are talking about a dangerous situation, and Regina says, don't worry, I'll sacrifice myself, I'll do it. And Emma is a little a little concerned about the fact that Regina is so willing to throw herself out in the line of fire, and she finally admits that she's feeling anxious about the idea of raising Henry alone. Uh, but Emma fortifies that they'll do it together. What did you think about Regina's ongoing anxiety about having the possibility of having to raise Henry by herself if Emma died? <sighs> You know, it's I, this this conversation kind of frustrated me in terms of it seemed like both of them were basically saying, "I want to be the one to do this because I trust you to raise Henry in my absence." And then their joint decision to both distract a dragon, I thought, went counter to both of what they wanted. So I was actually confused by this whole thing and the decision process they went through. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm trying to figure out if this was in character for. Regina, I guess she got so used to kind of jointly raising Henry with Emma that if that status quo was interrupted, it kind of threw her for a loop. But this just seemed to come out of nowhere. I am glad that they focused the episode around this relationship because, again, like the triangular relationship between Regina, Emma, and Henry is something that's always been at the forefront of the show and it hasn't really been approached at all this season. Hell, we got a Hook and Henry plot before we got this type of plot. So I'm happy that they acknowledged it. It just seems strange to me that um, that Regina all of a sudden is like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous because now that you're going to die, I would have to raise him on my own and I don't know if I can do that. So I'm very happy that they sort of tied that up at the end of the episode, that it's not a lingering anxiety at least. Yeah, I, th- I think that they've, I think she's definitely had, has moved on from that point where um, uh, of, yeah, kind of being jealous of each other as, as a mom. I think they, they've, they've clung on and, and accepted the fact that they have uh kind of joint custody of, of Henry for, for, for lack of a better term. Um, but I know I, I've, I, it seemed natural to me in terms of like the evolution. If anything, it was, it was a nice to show that the, the, that Regina has gotten to this point. I mean, how much of it is because the queen has been, the queen side of her has been pulled out of her soul. Maybe that's one of the things that has led to it. But, um, like it, it seemed nice that they were both acknowledging that uh, I, I want you. Yeah, I want if something happens to me, I want to make sure you're still here to take care of of Henry or uh, you know, or to kind of what you said. Also, the fact that I, I can't do it alone, and regardless, but the fact that they both decided to put their lives in danger and potentially leaving Henry without a mom, uh, I didn't think was necessarily a wise decision. <laughs> so, did Henry in that split second see the dragon breathing fire and decide to take the hammer to the mirror, or do you think he just did it as sort of like? If we're going with like the Dark Knight example of like, oh, here's a a device that will blow up the other bow, and the guy that just throws the device out of the window to sort of a, to give a third choice to it. Here's the thing: is like I didn't get the sense from Emma and Regina's plan that it required Henry to do anything from his side of the mirror. Yeah, I they, thought they, the, looked, they looked pretty shocked when the mirror ended up getting smashed. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you know the dragon is magic, and so his flame on the mirror should help break through and form a portal. So I don't know if Henry's if Henry hadn't smashed his side of the mirror, if nothing, if that wouldn't have worked, if they required that, uh, or uh, what clued Henry into do that. I mean, 
If anything, I would have been like, if I smash that mirror, it's going to trap my parents in there. My moms are going to be stuck. And I, I would have thought that the smashing the mirror was a bad thing from Henry's side. Yeah, so I'm not try, really so, sure. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how what the logistics of this were. So the, the mirror gets like smashed, but not really smashed. I guess more so it's, it's, it's spider webs a bit. But the dragon breathing fire is enough to create a portal that allows them to jump through, but then the portal also closes behind them instantaneously. I I guess we don't. Really, I'm not really sure of like that. It still might be an active portal that we just can't really tell. I, I'm not sure, but I, I'm I'm thrown by Henry's decision because I think when we saw it, the you know the queen caused it such the the mirror from Emma and Regina's side, so they couldn't see anything through their side of the mirror, even though Henry could still watch them, and them banging on the mirror asking for help. This, I didn't know if that was part of the plan either. Like, so I'm confused about Emma and Regina's action banging on the mirror as opposed to focusing on the dragon so they can dodge out of the... My thinking was that the plan was, let's stand in front of the mirror, he's going to shoot fire at us, we jump out of the way, the fire hits the mirror, boom, we've got our magic portal. Instead, they stand there with their backs to the dragon, banging on the mirror, causing potentially Henry to, uh, you know, do something rash, such as smash the heart. Um, So I was just kind of confused about what the actual plan was based on what we were told. Like did something kind of slip in translation when they actually went to enact it, but never you mind. It all worked out for the best. <laughs> I'd be intrigued to see if Henry actually did end up smashing the heart. It's the equivalent of like when Snow White killed Cora with that black candle. It would be, it would have been nice yeah. to see Henry break bad for a second. Yeah. Well, he kind of even seemed to say, you know, even if I did this, you know, it doesn't make me a bad person. You know, you're kind of putting me, you're putting me in this position where I have to, you know, you know, choose one life over another. And if you're putting me in that position, that's not, that's your, that's you, not me. Um, but yeah, I still think just when there's no indication what this magic, he doesn't even necessarily know it's a magic camera, but he could probably look at it and tell, but there's no indication that smashing the mirror won't, you know, trap your parents, pet trap your moms in this mirror land. That the, I so I'm surprised he went through with that. It seemed like an awfully rash decision, Henry. So, so more <laughs> dumb luck is that the theme of this episode? Then, like <laughs> more dumb luck. That could be. That could even be the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this. Like final, and I'll put confrontation yeah. in quotations uh, between these people when Emma and Regina come through the mirror. Uh, Evil Queen accuses her of like making Henry soft, but Henry says, "Hey, family makes you stronger." Repeating the themes of, "Oh, you're alone, and that's why you're weaker than we are." Hook. Does it just mean did Hook pop up from a squatting position to grab the evil queen? He was kind of like hiding around a corner in the shadows. I'm not quite sure. It's something like was maybe he was like going full Polonius and like hiding behind a tapestry. Well, good thing. And, uh, uh, good thing Regina did not go Hamlet and just decided to stab willy nilly behind the curtain. Who's willy nilly? He was he was the third guard that got scared by the ghost of the Hamlet's father. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Um. Yeah, I think he just seemed to be like kind of hiding there in the shadows. So you know, you know, thieves are gonna thief. Well, no, he's not a thief, but he's a pirate. Big difference. Pirate. Yeah, sorry, uh, buccaneer. Uh, so uh, I was fine with that. He he was being stealthy. An ominous last word from the evil queen this episode. I only want what's best for you before she poofs away. So are we? Do you believe that we're gonna get more Henry evil queen drama? That Henry is still really the key to the evil queen's connection to the rest of the group? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I, I don't think so. 
For some reason, I don't think so. Although it seems like she's got her revenge on Snow White and Charming. She's not looking to do anything else there. I guess maybe the next step for what she wants is Henry. And so we've, we've seen her kind of take a stab at Emma, fail a couple times. Uh, she got Snow White and Charming on that first try. Now she's going after Henry. She failed once. I could see her trying again, to be honest. Yeah. And again, we have 14 episodes left of this season. It feels like something that, again, is resonating because it's such uh, it's a relationship that's really connected to the central themes of the show. So I could see her keep coming back. And maybe her affection for Henry is like exposes her weakness, that they're able to kind of exploit the evil queen. And because of that, they're able to use Henry for bait again. That's the reason why he said, use me as bait, is because I know she has a soft spot for me. Could very well be. Uh, I mean, interestingly, the, the, the one thing to uh, make note of, though, is when the mirror does explode, you know, Henry grabs the dragon's heart and jumps off to the side. So we may not see have seen the last of the dragon. Uh, I don't think we will, considering that, again, I don't think he'll ever die. <laughs> right. And actually, I think Evil Roy asked us on Twitter, where did the dragon end up? Who has his heart? And will we see him again this season? And will Lily be mentioned? I think we know that Henry has his heart. Um Will we see him again this season? Will Lily be mentioned? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping so. I don't know. I assume we will. I think the odds are higher now of that happening than they were yeah. prior to this episode. Uh, but I would like to see that happen. Yeah, now I don't that, know now if it will. Now that it's been mentioned, now that it's out on the table, I can see them addressing it. Before, if we were going in cold, we'd say, well, they haven't talked about this in a full season. She says, it won't happen. But for now, I think the dragon is still in the mirror world. But now that... You know, maybe if the evil queen gets subdued, they can reach back into the mirror world and grab him back real quick. Yeah, because yeah, we don't really know what necessarily happened to him. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that now. Can anybody use the heart to control anybody? I'm trying to remember. Uh, yes, you. I, you do not need to be magic to control the heart. You need to be magic to be able to both retrieve the heart and crush the heart. Right. And so that's what I was kind of wondering. Right? Why Henry just didn't put the hammer down, take the heart, and like command the dragon to stop attacking his, his, his moms? Oh, that's a but, good point. Uh, but maybe the evil queen is just so overpowering that she would have, I don't know, mentally willed it to happen no matter what. Yeah, she would have vanished the heart out of his hand and into her hands. Like she, she can do, remember, it, ah, that's not the real heart. I swapped them I swapped when you weren't them. looking. That was a cow's heart. <laughs> yeah. I knew you would try that. Um, <laughs> Oldest trick so, in the book. <laughs> exactly. Her, her book, yeah. Uh, so let's finish up the Jasmine and Aladdin stuff here. Aladdin's got on high spirits. Jasmine apologizes for being a little too Agrabah-centric. But there's something Agrabah-centric <laughs> that we need to talk about as Aladdin filched something a little extra from the pawn shop, a lamp. Unfortunately, their old friend the genie is not in it, but they're using very loose terms to describe whatever may be in the lamp that may help them find Agrabah. Jessica Frey threw out the theory that Jafar is in the lamp. I know we've talked before about how Jafar might have been affiliated with the Oracle. With her being dead, that might not be true. What do you think the chances are, Kurt, that Jafar is indeed in the lamp? Um, you know what? I I don't think he is. I could very easily be wrong. I don't think he is because I almost get the impression that the last time they... Well, I was going to say... We know that they saw Jafar vanish when Aladdin freed Jasmine from the hourglass. We also know that um, Jafar. So, I, if that was the last time they saw Jafar, I was going to say no because there wouldn't. I, I couldn't see there being a storyline 
where we suddenly see Jafar get into a lamp somehow at that point. But I almost forgot that we do see again Jafar with Aladdin when he's in the, like the at peak uh, savior spasms. Yeah, he comes that, to basically say, na 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 na, you are shaking. Yeah. So we don't really know what happens to Aladdin at that point. So I guess I could potentially see uh, Jafar somehow ending up in the lamp then. Um, I guess when I say I don't think Jafar is in the lamp, it's really me hoping Jafar is not in the lamp. Not in terms of, oh no, that would spell doom for Aladdin and uh, and Jasmine, but more in terms of I'm interested in seeing what is in the lamp in terms of, like, of more of a little bit of a, um unexpected manner. Um, not not that not that Jafar would be expected, but I was just like I'm kind of curious, like for a new element to be introduced, and Jafar would not be a new element uh, in the realm of Once Upon a Time. If Jafar was in the lamp, why would they be excited about him being in there? Well, that's the thing. I think if if Jafar's in the lamp, it's because they, I think they're excited because it's a lamp that typically would hold a genie. I don't think they know what's in there. If they knew Jafar was in the lamp, they wouldn't be excited about it. That's what I'm saying. If Jafar is in a magic lamp, it's because he somehow ended up in one and they don't realize it. Um, I think they're just looking at this lamp as a potential opportunity. Um, I'm not sure if uh, maybe Aladdin's savior uh, uh, superpowers that he can sense if something has magical potential. I don't know. But maybe he, he, he knows there's something in the lamp. He just doesn't expect that it's Jafar because they don't know he's in one. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure, but you're right. It does seem he's pretty certain that there's something in this lamp. Um, if he knew it was Jafar, he wouldn't be this excited. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i not sure because I, I, I'd like to believe that theory because as Jessica points out in her question as well, that's how the movie ends. That's how Wonderland ends with Jafar being put in the lamp. But again, it seems like they're like, well, the genie's on there, but I think I know who's in there, and they can help us save Agrabah. If they knew it was Jafar, they wouldn't react like that. They'd say, oh, great, Jafar's in the lamp. Let's throw it to the bottom of the freaking ocean, which, of course, the evil queen would well, then poof back and put back in the shop. Unless there's, like, a again, an Agrabah flashback we've yet to see where somehow, you know, Jafar turns on his evil ways and helps uh, Aladdin get rid of his savior spasms or save somebody or their best buds now. Um, so like, unless there's like, again, a flashback scene where they've mended their ways and they actually buddy, uh, buddy, I, I don't necessarily see that, but yeah, it, it seemed weird. Like it just seemed to me that somehow Aladdin knew there was something in the lamp. He didn't know what, but he assumed that it was going to be genie like and therefore would help him. Um, so I think he, it just feels like he knows there's something in the lamp. He doesn't at all even suspect remotely that it would be Jafar. So it could still be Jafar. Um, but it's just, if it is, again, it's just that he doesn't realize that that's the being in the lamp he's about to free. He just knows there's a being in there and he's hoping it's genie like. Uh, I did kind of like, maybe it was just me reading too much subtext into it. I didn't know if it, I, it almost seemed like it was a little bit of a nice nod to Robin Williams passing some of the things that were being said about the genie, like the genie isn't in here. Uh, my pals moved on. He's, you know, you know, that's too bad. Oh, he's, he's free now. He's, you know, it does some of the things that were being said in terms of talking about the genie almost seemed to be kind of a, a nice 
homage to Robin Williams as well in terms of some oh, of the I things. That I he, yeah, I didn't think about that. That'd be nice subtext if that was true. Yeah, yeah. It's just in terms of some of the things, like a little homage to, in terms of like the way certain things were phrased. Like, I could have really been reading into it, and that's completely possible. But if it was intent, whether it was or wasn't intentional, it was kind of a nice send off to him as the voice actor behind the genie. Um, but yeah, we we definitely. Uh, what, again, as one of those story elements that was introduced, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes with the lamp. Why is there no acknowledgement of Robin Williams playing the fruit bat in Fern Gully then? Because we haven't had the Fern Gully tie-in yet. The, no last rainforest here. I can't wait for that one when they say <laughs> stop destroying uh, the enchanted forest because there are creatures in there. Let's let's put a pin in that Aladdin stuff. I'm sure we will yeah. definitely be crossing that bridge sooner rather than later. Let's finish up our Zelina gold bell stuff here. Uh, Gold is, uh, he's, he's showing his hand a bit by putting something on Bell's hand. It turns out the thing that he was absentmindedly spinning in the shop was, uh, I guess, some sort of a uh, homemade gauntlet, if you will, that essentially serves as a magical tracking device. Uh, has Rumpel out creeped himself this time, Kurt? Yeah, we, we talked a bit about, uh, you know, was it a good idea for him to, you know, imprison Bell on the ship? I know Brent was like, uh, cannot com- cannot support uh, you know Gold's actions in, in that case. You're you're really not doing yourself any favors imprisoning the one you love on the ship so she can't escape. I think this is like right up there as well. I mean, he's I, I'm just not a big fan of this, and yeah, uh, it's just not good, not good at all. But the alternative is that if he's not creeping on Bell, he's making out with the evil queen. So it's really a lose lose situation. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a third option there. Don't put yourself in that in terms of... Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll yeah, throw the device yeah. out of the boat again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's... He, he seems to want to have his cake and eat it too, I guess. Like, can, leaving himself multiple options in terms of where he's going to get his nookie. <laughs> well, what did you think about the reminder that Zelina holds... I guess she holds uh, the fate of Rumpel's heart, considering that, let's remember, in the one of the most WTF moments of Once Upon a Time history, in my opinion, when Zelina revealed that she was Marion in disguise and was able to let Rumpel kind of let the darkness take over his heart that put him in that magical coma in the beginning of season five, that she is able to basically control his heart because she was affiliated with it? Well, so he... he, he... He can't hurt her without him hurting her himself. Yeah. So it's not that he has control over it as much as there's like a almost almost similar to you know the you know if if uh, Doctor Jekyll got hurt then Hyde got hurt as well. I mean it's almost a little bit of the the, the same sort of thing here where it's a kind of voodoo doll Zelina you know you know force choke her and you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, that makes sense, and I guess that. Uh, it's interesting then, considering that we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, Gold telling Evil Queen to kill Zelina. If we're going along with them essentially serving as doubles of each other, like with Jekyll and Hyde and Evil Queen and Regina, that might not be a good idea if you decide to kill one. Well, when we first saw Gold doubling over in pain, my first instinct was that maybe baby Robin was doing this somehow. It inherited some of his mom's magic or that uh, uh, that uh, baby Morpheus uh, was doing this from inside uh, Belle's womb. Um, but no, it was just kind of you know a throwback to a, a, a moment in time that uh, that neither of us remembered and that we had to be reminded of thanks to, uh, again, the over-explanation that is inherent to Once Upon a Time. Thank you, Zelina. Yeah, well, when Zelina said he's having a heart attack, for a second I thought, oh, 
I guess he really is. That's a little random. This is just how <laughs> a really magical show to have such a practical medical condition happen. <laughs> Laid low by cholesterol. Poor gold. Well, you shouldn't have eaten all those granny's burgers. Hell, those are probably good burgers, though. Well, speaking of grannies, any thoughts about this uh, this dance, you know, makeup <laughs> dance scene between uh, Violet and Henry at Granny's? When Violet walked in there and there were all these balloons and stuff, did you think this was maybe a trap by the Queen? That would I, be I initially, I thought, I thought that this was that the episode was going to end with uh, the Queen not posing as Henry because that would be all sorts of awkward, but potentially that this was going that he she was laying a trap for violet so that you know if you're not going to you know do what i want you to do to save your parents maybe you're going to you know do what i want you to do to save this girl that you've known for uh you know maybe one full season <laughs> yeah well she, i mean henry brings up before in the crypt like you know i put violet somewhere where like you can't get to her so maybe you would think that she would like take that as a as a threat or a challenge and decide to take her but no it just seems like a, a generally yeah. Cute moment. I liked. I think the song playing in the bathroom was uh, "In My Dreams" by Ruth B. I thought it was. It was nice. It was again. We're talking about moments in the beginning of the episode that let the pacing of the episode breathe. I feel like the end of the episode was sort of a nice bookend, and that there was more dialogue than that montage, but it was able to breathe, and they were just you know silently dancing for a little bit, and it made you sort of catch your breath after experiencing all this stuff in the past forty minutes. Were you disappointed that it wasn't their song, "Only You"? <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe they lost the maybe they lost the rights to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I did I did like I did like uh, Violet's uh, kind of uh, pseudo quoting of Breakfast Club. I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, she was able to retain again she, for someone that was probably so astounded by the idea of a movie, she retained a lot from it. At least she's quoting uh, Breakfast Club and not again Harold and Maude. <laughs> exactly. You may be 70. <laughs> I don't know if that quote's appropriate at this time. Uh, let's talk about the last scene here. Uh, Gold and Evil Queen obviously have a very complicated relationship. Uh, it seems like they're on the same page for now because Gold is set on her helping him with something, namely to kill Zelina. Kurt, what do you think the possible consequences might be of Evil Queen setting out on this new mission? I th- I think we could actually potentially see it resulting in Zelina's death. Honestly, I could see it this being even after I, Rebecca Mater was added as a, a regular these past two seasons. Don't get so meta on me, Mike Bloom. I'm just talking I about the story. Oh uh, no! Yes, yes. Death to Zelina. Um, surrender, Dorothy. Now, are you, are, you, um, are you talking about death, or are you talking about <laughs> super mega ultra death via the Olympian Crystal Cox? Because that's what happened no, to her boy toy Hades. Yeah, it's. I, I can see it potentially ending in 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 death. Uh, I think where we pretend, where we're more likely to go is that um, somehow uh, somehow the queen fails to kill Zelina, but she the scheme involves the queen posing as Regina. And then this drives a further wedge. So the the attempted murder of Zelina by the Queen just ends up driving a rift between Regina and Zelina. Option three is that it pushes Zelina back into the arms of Regina in some way. Um, so I, it, it I, could I, go. I feel like it may be option three because again we okay. don't know what the pacing is as to how much of a of a villain the Evil Queen is and how much her reign will last. But I could totally see. The assassination attempt gets botched, and Zelina says, "Oh yeah, you really don't support me. I'm going to go back to my sister, who does care about me." 
Yeah. So there's just lots of different ways they could go. Although, like, I'm looking at this big picture, and it's like, um, the queen gave gold the shears that he needed, and now here's gold asking the queen for another favor. Like, I'd, I'd say that the, actually, you know, gold probably owes the queen a little bit more than vice versa. Yeah, the, the quid pro quo is definitely a little imbalanced on this one. Exactly. That that's that's throwing me. But you know, gold's never one to. Uh, not take advantage of a loophole or a, uh, you know, he says he's going to find a loophole in the whole thing with, with, you know, Zelina's hold over him and his heart. Um, you know, if, if someone's not going to make a deal with you when they should be, he's not going to point it out. So if you guys out there have any thoughts as to whether Zelina might die this season or whether you think the dragon storyline may actually coalesce into an answer on that story or any other thoughts about this episode, you have a bunch of ways you can reach out to us. As always, you can leave a comment on the postshowrecaps.com website. While you're there, if you haven't yet, please, please, please subscribe to our Once Upon a Time only feed. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash once iTunes. We greatly appreciate it, as well as your ratings and reviews. You can always reach out to us on social media as well. Kurt is at Kurt Clark. I am at a Mike Bloom type. While you're here, make sure you're locked into all the other stuff going on on Post Show Recaps. I know SNL, Walking Dead, and uh, and Westworld all had super interesting episodes this past week and a lot of great coverage of that as well in addition to Seinfeld. So make sure you check that out. To finish things off, Kurt, do we want to give out a hashtag for people who made it to the end of this podcast before we uh, we face ourselves in the mirror for another week? You are the dragon. All right. I like it. It's it's, it's like a pep talk as well. The emphasis isn't yeah. there. And actually, I have to point out, uh, I spoke too soon by saying another week. Uh, for those of you that do not know, Once Upon a Time is not having a new episode next week. The next episode will come in two weeks from now, and so will we. So we get a little bit of a break mm-hmm. to prep for Thanksgiving and make our bellies uh, make yep. our bellies nice and empty for all the turkey that we will shove into it. Yeah, I, I took a look online. Uh, it looks like it's up on my DVR already, the one that's two weeks from today, or two weeks from Sunday. And it looks like it's actually only an hour episode, which is a little bit different from how we usually go th- do things around the Thanksgiving timeline. Yeah, usually they, they skip a week and then they do the double episodes. Um, but yeah, doing an episode the Sunday after Thanksgiving is interesting. And I know that I've been trying to do my research as to how many episodes we're going to get before we take a break into 2017. I know one resource tells me we'll have one more after that, so only 10. Another one's saying 11, but only a few more episodes until we break mm. for the year, Kurt. That's it, It's been really flying by. Maybe that one episode is actually one more airing of two back-to-back episodes in the same weekend. So maybe we get a two-hour episode of these uh, three weeks from now. We'll see. Uh, and maybe, or unless they do a like one repeat episode and one new episode, and the repeat episode always has to be the bear and the bow, or the, oh, bear, the bear king, the bear king. That's what it was. No Thanksgiving. It's becoming an, an, <laughs> it's becoming an increasingly relevant episode. They need to reshow it. Okay. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. Again, we will be back two weeks from now to talk about episode nine of season six hashtag you are the dragon and remember if you're doing a puzzle with the dragon you better make sure it's 20 pieces all right take care everyone don't you forget about me